Shut up and sit down. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. All they heard is Papa, don't hit me no more. Welcome to the show, guys. That's right, episode 44 today. We're back midweek and uh, plenty of good stuff to talk about. Plenty of good stuff to get into. Uh, plenty of positive news that's actually worth talking about. Um, so... Yeah, lots to get into, lots to get into. But first, I want to start by um, quickly recapping this weekend's UFC event um, because, you know, it was uh, it was amazing in many ways and then it had a couple of down bits as well. Um, but, of course, star of the show, highlight of the night was the main event, uh, DC knocking out Stipe in what was a very calculated um, move, technique, and uh, and choice based on uh, scene habits throughout, obviously, training camp and preparation for the fight. Um, what an amazing result. KO'd Stipe in the first round. Stipe will be back. Um, you know, this is no reflection on his toughness, his ability, skill set, or anything like that just how good DC is. Um, and it has to be said that now with him being a current active two weight, that being the light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, simultaneously whilst being a full-time commentator, whilst dealing with the nonsense around John Jones, you're talking about a guy who, for all accounts, by everyone's account, is the most stand-up professional guy that you can imagine. Family man, generous with his time, does things in the community with the kids. You know, we're talking about a two-time Olympian. We're talking about you know, just an elite wrestler, athlete who looks like a gym teacher. <laughs> I mean, there's a meme going around now of him sleeping on the couch with his hand in his pants like uh, Al Bundy. <laughs> but, but he's passed out on the sofa. And it says, baddest man in the, on the planet. It's just, it's so funny because he is not the atypical, right? Like, Ronaldo is what you would go to the lab and make if you wanted a football player. Um, LeBron James is what you'd go and build in a lab if you wanted a basketball player, so on and so forth. Roger Federer with tennis, etc. But Daniel Cormier is definitely not, I, I would imagine, most people's prototype for what a two-time or a, uh, a two-weight simulta simultaneously held um champion in the heavyweight and light heavyweight division. I don't think you'd picture a guy like Daniel Cormier, but you know, again, this is a consummate professional. This is a hard worker. I met him in Sweden very, very briefly. Um, he photobombed uh, a shot of me, John Anik, Phil Davis. I think I mentioned it on the show before, but even then just being boisterous and, and uh, you know, not taking himself too seriously and being accessible, you know, all just attributes of a man who 
is arguably now the greatest of all time. It's easy to make this argument now because he's fought in a time during a time where, you know, USADA wasn't but came in. Um, he won the heavyweight Grand Prix in Strike Force when there's no USADA, in fact, quite the opposite in MMA. Um, he's lost one fight in his entire career, and that was to John Jones by decision. Because don't forget, even though he got knocked out by John Jones in the second fight, it was considered a no contest because John Jones pissed hot. So he's lost technically one fight in his entire life. Two if you wanna if you wanna count the no contest as a loss because you know the head kick was amazing. Um, the follow-up, the trip, the follow-up ground and pound was incredible uh, by John Jones. But nevertheless, it was called a no contest. So he has one loss on his record to John Jones. He's 14 and 0 as a heavyweight. And he's, what, 12-1 and as a light heavyweight? He's currently holding the title of the baddest man on the planet, in quotations. And he's actively holding two of arguably the hardest belts to hold. Um, He's done it flawlessly, and he's beaten everybody. He's beaten everybody. Gufteson... Uh, Rumble Johnson. The only person he hasn't beaten is John Jones. The way he flipped Dan Henderson, the way he pounded and threw around Josh Barnett. You know, I know we're going back a ways, but he beats whoever they put in front of him that isn't named John Jones. And his next fight is against Brock Lesnar and, you know, staged, not staged. <coughs> Pardon me. I don't really give a fuck. I just think Brock Lesnar is bad for MMA because he's a proven cheater. He's a full-time actor. He, you know, with his wrestling gig, you know, he jumps in and out of this thing. I mean, I don't think he's going to beat Daniel Cormier when they fight. Minus, you know, DC coming in with some sort of injury he doesn't tell people about. Or Brock Lesnar catching him with a lucky punch. He's not going to out-wrestle Daniel Cormier. I don't think he'll outstrike Daniel Cormier. I don't see how he can win that fight. But it's his antics. Like, you're a fucking roided-up meathead. Coming in, pushing the camera and shit. It's like, this isn't the WWE. And anything that takes us towards being more WWE than MMA. Because MMA is an art form. And WWE's acting. Anything that takes us more towards the WWE side of things, I'm not a fan of. And it's like, oh, well, you love Conor McGregor. Yeah, I do, because it's more authentic. It has a WWE spin on it, which I don't mind. But this, like, throwing, like, punching the camera and, like, pushing the guy after he's just won a title when his family's in the ring. I mean, staged or not, I think it's in poor taste and I think it took away from the moment. But nevertheless, the moment belongs to DC because he shut him down anyways. Um, But it was a great performance, you know, and completely made everybody forget about the Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou fight 
because, I mean, that was the worst fight I've ever seen. I don't even know what the, what the uh, record holder for least strikes in a three-round fight is, but I'll remember this one, which was the second most, or the second least, I should say. Two supposed killers stand in front of each other and don't throw punches. The most significant strike of the fights, uh, strikes of the fight were Derek Lewis's switch kicks. And like, I can kind of give a bit of leeway to Derek Lewis because at least he was throwing and trying to engage at some point, even whilst dealing with like these severe back spasms that he has. But there's no excuse for Francis Ngannou and Dana White told him so, so in the in the post-fight press conference. And, you know, he's since come out and released a statement saying, you know, he basically had PTSD from his last fight, getting beat up and not being able to feel his arms and shit. Um, personally, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where Ngannou is a flash in the pan. Um, I just think... For him to get to a level where he can be competitive and hide his deficiencies is going to take so long that he it's not going to work out for him. I mean, he's not going to be the champ anytime soon. So in the meantime, he's going to have to fight like a Curtis Blades or something like that. And I think this time Curtis Blades whoops his ass. Um, anyways... Uh, the card overall was good. It would have been great to have uh, Brian Ortega on it uh, with Max Holloway, but obviously more concerning is, you know, whatever Max Holloway's condition is, which I haven't looked at an update or anything like that, but it can't be good, and I don't think he's going to be fighting um, anytime soon. So I hope whatever it is, it's not permanent, because uh, that would be a shame. Uh, but nevertheless... It was, a, it was a good card, and I just wanted to give a bit of shine to DC because people have booed him for his entire career for no reason at all. And I hope they start to show a bit of respect to him and, and, and give him his dues, man. He's, he's literally got to be in the conversation for uh, the greatest of all time. I mean, for me, it's probably GSP because of the comeback and how successful that was and how long he defended his title for and how much of a professional he was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the fact that he cleaned out that division for a decade almost. Um, but what DC is doing is pretty impressive, man. Um, the career he's racked up is, is second to none. You know, and that can easily be argued. So I just wanted to give him a bit of a shout out and and just say 226, I think, overall was pretty good. But I think the numbers around it are not going to stand up, really. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to be, <coughs> but they're going to be nowhere near a million, not even close. Um, we'll see if I get numbers and I want to talk about it. I'll put it out there, but... Yeah, tough, uh, tough going, but amazing, amazing performance by DC. So that's a bit of a recap on that. Um, and I think we're going to stay with the kind of good news and, and maybe park the shit at the end. I don't know, because um, I wanted to talk about the kids. Uh, 
that were locked inside the cave, trapped inside the cave in Thailand and the rescue effort. And, and just talk about it briefly because it's an ex absolute example of what we should be doing together and how we should be connected together. And it's an absolute contrast from what's going on already at the fucking NATO summit um, with Donald Trump and his constant rhetoric, lies and bullshit um, towards the rest of the world in a completely unfounded, like ridiculous, in a ridiculous way. Um, but these Thai kids stuck in, in this cave for like two weeks because it flooded up. And it was awesome because Elon Musk was like, yeah, I'm going to build a submarine. <laughs> of course you are, Iron Man. Fuck's sakes. Um, so anyways, of course, he knocks up a submarine. It takes him a couple of weeks to do it or whatever. I don't know how long it took him, but he shipped it over there as they got four of the 12 people out. And uh, they, they looked at the sub and they're like, yeah, no. This thing was fucking huge. Apparently, it was like you couldn't even get a kid. Like, it was hard to get a kid through some of these passageways. And he came in with a sub. Like, what the fuck was he thinking? I'm starting to question Elon a little bit. I have to be honest. But, um, but the good news is they fucking got them all out. And there was like a team, I think, of like 90 divers. And that's what I mean. It's just, it's... That's a metaphor, right? It's It's got to be a metaphor. There's got to be a metaphor somewhere in there, obviously, that is about how we should be acting and how we're currently not acting and, this, and the disaster that can befall us if we don't work together. There has to be a metaphor in this uh, in this rescue operation, but I'm so happy that, that they did get him out, you know, because... They had to report it and it was positive news for once, but they were looking for death. You could smell it on them. You could smell it on the reporters. You know, wait, see what happens. Hopefully they'll get them out. Like you fucking want them out. You know, but they all, they all get out and it was amazing. And the coach as well. He'll never be allowed to lead another field trip as well, by the way. <laughs> that motherfucker just got fired. But um, one of the divers didn't make it, um, which is obviously terrible, but all the trapped uh, team, apparently there were some sort of sports team, like a football team or something like that. Um, they all got out, which is amazing. Um, so for a brief second, it, it gave us a break from the nonsense. And that along with the fact that it's fucking Coming home, baby. Ugh, I don't even, didn't even want to say that. I might even cut that out. Um, it doesn't feel right, you know? It's like when, uh, it's like when Americans say something and British people try to say it, it doesn't sound right. This is the same way. It's coming home. Doesn't sound right coming out with this accent. It deserves an English accent. But it is... England semi-final day. The whole world is going to be turned out. There might be a mini earthquake on the island today. Um, so that coupled with these Thai kids getting, you know, getting released and, you know, the fact that 
it's still going to be hot for another week, fingers crossed, until the hurricane blows the shit away. It's still going to be hot for another week, so we're going to have nice weather as well. Wimbledon's on, everybody's feeling good. There's a bit of a nice vibe at the moment. So even though I don't care about football, I um, I am absolutely rooting for the boys to win tonight. Um, and they're like, oh, Daryl, you know, for those that you don't know, I was born in England. I am British. I am a British citizen. And yes, I do support England in the World Cup and I support them uh, in the Olympics as well. But I'm just, listen, it's not about, it's not about the score. I don't care. I do want, okay, so it it matters a little bit, right? It matters a little bit because I want England to win, of course, but it's not about this. There's like a feeling that people get behind because there's so much, especially now, because there's so much shit going on in this country, and I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it enough, and I, and I'm gonna talk about it more. But there's so much shit going on in this country at the moment that needs figuring out. I mean, you know, we've had Boris Johnson quit as the foreign sector secretary. We've had David, uh, what's his name, David Davis, uh, quit as the um, as the lead man on the Brexit negotiations and. The government's in fucking turmoil and, you know, Brexit's not getting sorted out and, you know, should it go through at all and, you know, all of this stuff. But despite that, despite the knife crime in London, despite, you know, this problem and that problem, you know, housing prices, on you know, that are too expensive and groceries are too expensive and travel's too expensive and blah, 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 right? Everybody's got behind this World Cup push, and obviously it's easy to get behind something when it's successful for sure, but the people in this country, the ones that are old enough anyways, because football's so ingrained, it's not like a sport in England. It's not like football. I don't care what any fucking diehard fan says, it's not. It's different than that. It's an ingrained thing. It's in the DNA. Like you're born in this country loving football supporting a club like it's part of the family man and it's different so when you know people who again who are old enough to have experienced the fallout and the struggle of supporting the English national football team a moment like this is something that resonates so much more deeply than a team you support it's um and I'm not again you know I talk often about you know, why tribalism is wrong and everything like that. But I don't know. There's just something wholly positive about this. There's been nothing negative about this. You know, no tirades or no, you know, like not even shit fans in Russia or anything like that. Like it's all been positive. And I think everybody just wants to grab a hold of it because there is so much shit going on right now that this is something positive that everybody can can get a hold of and for even a couple of weeks just be like, things are good. Things are good. And things are positive and I, and I feel different than I usually do in a good way. So I'm completely with the boys tonight. I'll be tuning in. Um getting some beers in, whatever, I don't know. Um, but it's it's something I hope continues, man. And I hope I hope we go through tonight. I hope we I hope we win. Um, 
and then I hope, what is it, Sunday? And I, you know, I hope we went on Sunday too, but one thing at a time, um, because the people of England and the UK as well, you know, they deserve it because they've been run through the ringer for the past couple of years. Um, and it's time, it's time to, it's time to celebrate. So one way or the other, one way or another, enjoy tonight um, as only England fans do, uh, for sure. Uh, and yeah, just fucking ultimately best of luck on it because it means, it means a lot to everybody for sure. Uh, maybe that's a bit sappy because again, I don't give a fuck about football, but there's something more than that tied to this, uh, this current push, uh, for a world cup trophy. And I mean, what a lead up. You know, because in the next one, I think the semis and the finals are both hosted in England. So it would be a nice, you know, win and then come back and see what we can do next time. And, you know, luck would ha I mean, talk about, you know, <coughs> cart before the horse here. But how ama how amazing would that be if there was in an England team in the finals on English soil at the finals that are hosted, you know, in the World Cup final? It'd be amazing. It'd be fucking amazing. This country would be off of its tits. And uh, they're already calling for it to be a bank holiday if England wins. So, again, let's not put the cart before the horse. Just good luck tonight. And uh, that's going to make me have to publish this. Because if not, you're already going to know the fucking results of the game. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a good day. There's a good vibe about, you know. But these good vibes and I don't mean shit on the whole party or anything like that because it is a party it is a day for you know having a good time and and and, and soaking this up because you haven't had it in 20 odd years so um it's important but it also acts as a kind of distraction piece because there are things to talk about right there are things to elaborate on there are things to you know, still stay away, aware of. Yeah, you can park them for a minute, enjoy the moment for sure. But man, these are the things that we have to talk about, right? I mean, the fact that Boris Johnson and David Davis is, or I think that's his name, David Davis, it's the worst fucking name in the world, by the way. Um, you know, they've both quit now. Boris Johnson, one of the main caveats for, you know, the Brexit thing, one of the main leaders of the messaging for the, you know, for the Leave campaign. That tied up with the data, the potential data implications and the leaks on that um, around the leave campaign are, are pretty damning. But these two departures here, you know, for the current government, it's just it's just in shambles. I mean, they've put Jeremy Hunt now as the foreign secretary secretary. And I'm just like, you know, it's um, it's it's a tough position to be in. It's a tough position to watch. Um as a government struggles even to functional function day to day. And I don't see how you can adequately negotiate an exit from a market that has so many implications when you, when you don't have an exit strategy. The framework of which nobody has a line of sight on. They're not willing to give us any details that are concrete about what the implications of this are. So 
with all of these changes, with the dissent in the ranks, with the you know, with the whispers that there's going to be a call of no a vote of no confidence that they're trying to establish, but they don't have the numbers. You know, it's a pretty big fucking deal to negotiate us out of this thing, and the fact that we don't have our own house in order is exactly why we shouldn't be doing that right now. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. Anyways. That, along with the fact that now we're hosting Donald Trump. Like, he's going to be here tomorrow. Right? That's another reason why I'm going to have to fucking publish this straight away. So it's good. Keep myself on check. Uh, uh, on check. On chalk? On check. Um, he is not a staunch ally of anybody except Donald Trump, right? He claims it's for America, it's not. It's for a certain class of Americans for sure, um, but the message that he delivers is not one of truth, um, it's certainly not one of nuance, and I mean, he's already started bullying NATO and Germany this morning, right? saying that they're a captive to Russia because of the oil and the gas and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't know what the percentages are, blah, 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 you know, but I know that whatever they are, he's not telling the truth about them because he doesn't do that. Whatever the number is, he adds 10% at least and goes from there. And we see where we end up. But we're hosting him Thursday and Friday, I guess, um... There's going to be thousands on the street that are protesting his uh, his visit here. And now, you know, the people are coming out and they're saying, oh, well, you know, it'd be a good idea if you didn't if you didn't piss this guy off. Like you do understand what what's going on here, right? Like what pandering to a madman is. Because you're scared of the rebuttal or the response, you know, what pandering to a madman does. You know what that ends up being like? I'm not going to go all, you know, labelistic on you, but come on. Stand up and fucking challenge this guy. He'll back down in a minute. He's a numbers guy. If that... But that's the only language that he understands or that he wants to discuss. He's not a friend of the UK. America was because of his diplomatic ties and his trade relations and things like that. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we should be nice to Donald Trump now because, you know, we're leaving Brexit. So we need our we not we need our biggest ally. That used to be a true statement. It's not anymore. America is not automatically the UK's biggest ally. Not anymore. Not with a person like Theresa Helm at the May. Or Theresa Helms at the May. <laughs> Theresa May at the Helms. Um, it's, it's a position of vulnerability for sure. But it's not a position of vulnerability that we should wear as a badge. Or act in a cowardly way. This is... 
the opportunity to say, listen, we can be your way into Europe. They don't want to fucking deal with you. Maybe that's a way. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but either way, it is a is an absolute position of vulnerability. Theresa May is a miserable, weak leader. Um, and I think this is going to be a terrible, terrible meeting. I think the amount of protesters that are going to be on the street is going to shake him up. It's going to he's going to use that as leveraging power to say, "Oh, well you can't make this vote with me or you can't make this deal with me because your people are already against you and they'll protest even more and blah 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 blah." Get me a leader I can talk to. But it'll be interesting to see this inflatable flying baby Trump um over Parliament Square tomorrow. So tomorrow or Friday, one of those days, keep an eye out for it. I'm sure you see it on all the news outlets. You know, it'll be the jokey joke, you know. But fuck this most powerful man in the Western world shit. It's time to freeze him out, in my opinion. I mean, he's in a trade war with China. They need to be more aggressive about. He's in a trade war with Mexico. He's in a trade war with China. He's in a trade war with the EU. He wants to invade Venezuela. Like, he's best friends with Russia. Like, you know, like, he comes out and say, oh, you know, my, my meeting with Putin's gonna be the easiest one of the trip. Of course it is. He's the one that helped put you there. So be careful all the protesters that are going out um, on Friday. Apparently, there's going to be thousands of them. Um, but I just think, you know, I don't know. This whole Brexit thing's a fucking mess. And this meeting right now with Trump, once, you know, right after Boris Johnson's just quit, just after this Davis character's just quit, I mean... What's she going to say to him? What is she, what is she going to say to Trump? Got everything under control. Don't you worry about it. You don't know what your trade relations with the EU are going to be there for. How do you know that they're going to conflict or not with the American? I mean, yeah. Anyways. Um, oh, yeah. EU... Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna find a company that makes like I don't know what is it like a billion a day, probably want to make the fine a little higher than a half a million, yeah. So Facebook just got um, a half a million what was it, half a million fi uh, pound fine um, for a data leak. I think it has to do with the Cambridge Analytic thing, but maybe it's a different one. There's so many of them now, I don't know. I can't keep up. But all I do know is that between Facebook and Google, they take up about 80% of the overall advertising money that you see on the internet. They're responsible for about that much of it. I think of that 80%, it's like a 70-30 split. I think Google take the most of it and then Facebook take the rest. <coughs> But it's like, it's like a billion dollars a day. <laughs> what, do the, what do you think 
a 500,000 pound fine will do to them in terms of deterrent. Like, do you think it's going to stop them like to, in their tracks to review their, their privacy policy, the way they use data of, of, of their users? Like, I wonder when, I wonder when, I mean, I'm still on there, so I'm, I'm a hypocrite in saying this, right? But I wonder when users are going to to switch it off. I wonder when they're just gonna be not viable anymore. Like I think, I'm not an app developer, I'm not a social fucking, like I'm not a game developer, web developer, any of that stuff, but there, I, there has to be a market for another one to catch on. Like I know people love Snapchat if they're younger. I know that Facebook's main loss is of that demographic But how many times can you be stolen from before you say, I'm not going to lend that guy, like, I'm not going to let that guy in my house anymore? Like, you don't leave your door unlocked if you've been robbed. And that's all Facebook is. It's an open door. It's an open door to all these app developers, to any ad network. Uh, to be honest, actually, that's a bit of a lie. They don't work with really any other ad networks. They're a bit of a walled garden, actually. So that's a bit of a lie. But for the app developers and for these, you know, other data companies, data analysis companies, that um, that data is available. So I just think that 500K is laughable. Like, it was probably transferred, like, within the hour they probably siphoned off like one ad unit for like, I don't know, 20 minutes to get 500K in revenue and then just park that. It's not a deterrent. It's not even a warning. You have to put some stiff fines down on these guys or some stiff regulations to how data is used. But 500K is not gonna get it done with a company like Facebook, unfortunately. It's, uh, yeah. It's a bit laughable. Um, the only other things that I want to talk about today. One, uh, can we please find this substance that's rolling around Middle England uh, that keeps poisoning people? That's left over from whenever that fucking uh, guy was and his wife or his daughter were poisoned. Uh, this poor woman has died from exposure. They don't know how uh, she was exposed to it. Uh, her partner is critically ill. Excuse if you can hear that truck outside. Um, it's hot as a bitch in London, so I have to have the windows open. Um, I just, it's its really bad, man. I mean, I know that if it could be traced, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of this substance to, uh, to, to cause a reaction, but they seem to think that this, that this was a high dose. So it's interesting to me. I mean, the last CC... TV footage they have of her is like buying some beers or something like that from a, from a corner shop. Um, so... A bit weird that she would get a, like a high dose of this stuff. Um, I hope they find the origins. But apparently they've been able to speak with the boyfriend uh, who's still in pretty critical condition, I think, in hospital. Uh, you know, I hope they I hope they figure out where the fuck this stuff is, wherever the discarded rem remnants of uh, of what is it? Novak Novichok or something like that. Um, whatever they use to try to kill these Russians, I hope they uh, I hope they find 
whatever's been discarded, obviously, because um, it's fucking literally killing people up there. Um, so I hope they do a good cleanup. But um, yeah, they're looking for the source, apparently. Um, but let's end with some good news. Let's end with some good news. So the good news is that uh, Alfie Dingley's mom is back in the country with his medicine. He has legal cannabis now, uh, legal, uh, legal cannabis oil uh, to treat his epilepsy. Uh, she was allowed through customs. She was uh, allowed to leave the airport, uh, which is which is all great news. And that means that one more little boy is now going to get the medicine that he needs is going to be able to live a better quality of life, which gives us another step forward in this, you know, ongoing review that the government and the Home Office are doing about the full legalization of cannabis for medical use or under doctor, you know, however they want to put it under doctor uh, prescription or doctor advisory or, you know, it allows doctors to open it up as an option now for treatment. Um, but that's that's a huge step forward that he's. Uh, that his mom's back in the country and uh, and the Alfie's going to get his medicine. So uh, congratulations. There is another little girl out there that I read about on Twitter. I'm going to do um, a little bit more about her uh, her on another show. Uh, I think she's 11. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, and I, I don't have the story in front of me. But there is another little girl that's hit the news. Uh, that is suffering, I believe, as well from epilepsy uh, that needs uh, her prescription filled. So again, if you're out there and you're suffering and you're, you know, you've you've tried this, you know, on the street, you've gotten some weed off of a dealer or whatever, and, or off of a friend or wh however you've acquired it, um, and you've had positive results from it, now's the opportunity to go and speak to your doctor put your request in say listen I know the review is pending um, I want to put myself on a notice sheet or something like that um, it, it's coming guys it's coming for sure um, so all of this is positive um, which means for anybody suffering going forward or anybody that comes forward is likely to get treatment um, you know in a, in a more expedited way uh, and that's that's all we want that's all we want. We'll take the recreational stuff next. Um, but for right now, let's get the people that need help, the help that they need. Um, so yeah, good news. We're wrapping episode 44 and it is a short one. Did we fucking, we covered all that shit. Bang, boom, boom bang, out, I'm done. Um, it, today's going to be a good day. Today is going to be a good day. I can feel it. I hope you guys can feel it too. Um, this has been done first thing in the morning. Uh, so we've got everything to look forward to, right? We've got the day to come upon us. Um, I gotta get I gotta get to work uh, in a minute. And then, uh, yeah, boys tonight, let's see what happens. Um, thanks for listening. We're on episode 44. We're done episode 44, fuck it. We're done episode 44, keeping on rolling. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to record another episode for the rest of the week, so it's likely that I'll be back at some point next week, uh, and we'll jump on the mic from there. But uh, in the grand, in the, in the kind of, in the regularity of these shows, I, I, I would call this a short one. Uh, we're just hitting 40 minutes now, and that's it. We're wrapping. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this is episode 
44 of The Quiet Part Loud. My name's Daryl. I'm your host as always. Thanks for listening. Um, get us on iTunes. Get us on SoundCloud. Uh, we're available on TuneIn and follow our Facebook page and our Twitter page for updates, info, um, shoot us a note, whatever. Um, yeah, that's a wrap. So until next time, guys, all the best.